0: Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Friday, October the 27th. And welcome to our commentary. Well, I've got my Texas Rangers uh, shirt on, and everybody's talking about the Texas Rangers around here. Uh, The World Series will begin tonight. This is a very interesting uh, series for Rangers fans, and that's because we haven't been there in 12 years. Uh, The last time the Rangers were in the series was 2011. And what was interesting is we were in the series in 2010 and 2011. So the Rangers had back-to-back trips to the world series. We didn't win them. Unfortunately, we didn't win in 2010. We lost to the giants by the way, the same giants uh, managed back then by Bruce Bocci, who's the the ranger manager now. And then in 2011 came the big heartbreak world series. And that was against uh, St. Louis and that was the famous game six. Where there was a fly ball to right field that should have been the last out of the, uh, should have been the last out of the inning, and uh, it, it just uh, it just didn't uh, didn't work out that way. So, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, what you would call anxiety around here about playing in the World Series, but there's also a lot of excitement, uh, looking forward to again, uh, what could be a very exciting series. We're playing a team, the D-backs. This is a very different team than the Cardinals that we played years ago because at least we knew who the Cardinals were. They had a lot of players we knew. But the D-backs, nobody really knows them. That's one of the great mysteries of of the D-backs this year. Nobody really knows this team. And I think as as a consequence, you know, you're, you're playing a team that was not supposed to be here. You're playing a team that has upset three consecutive teams. They upset Milwaukee. They upset the Dodgers. That was a huge upset. And then, of course, they upset uh, the Philadelphia Phillies in seven games by winning game seven in Philadelphia. So, you know, a lot of fans around here, we don't know who these backs are. These D-backs, Diamondbacks, we don't know who they are. and uh, But yet we know that they're a pretty good team because they wouldn't be in the World Series. Uh, So, there's you know, there's a lot of that curiosity as to what's going to happen. I think the Rangers will win the series. But, you know, again, we don't know. Uh, it's tough to bet against the D-backs considering how they got to the World Series. So all I can tell you is enjoy the series. Uh, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You'll get to meet uh, some new players from the D-backs. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the Rangers players are going to finally be on the national stage. This is, for uh, for a lot of the Rangers players, this is going to be a new experience because we have not been – that well-known of a team. In fact, a lot of uh, baseball fans knew very little about the stars on on the Rangers team. So I think in that respect, both teams are similar in, 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 in the sense that they are both exceeding uh, the expectations that people had, not just at the beginning of the year, but even, even on Labor Day. I don't think a lot of people would have accepted the idea that the Rangers were going to be in the World Series and certainly not uh, the D-backs. You know, on this day in history, this week in history was very consequential because back in 1962, we had something called the Cuban Missile Crisis. And the Cuban Missile Crisis brought the world to the brink of a nuclear war. We have never been closer to a nuclear war between the two superpowers. Back then, of course, uh, it was called the Soviet Union and, and the U.S. And the world has never been closer Uh, to to a nuclear attack than we were back then. So I got together with Barry Jacobson, who's a military historian, and we talked about this. We talked about, you know, that crisis from a military standpoint. And I wanted you to hear this uh, audio interview that I had with him uh, several years ago. So he's my friend, uh, Barry Jacobson, talking about that time this week in 1962. So check it out. 100%.
1: Now, speaking of putting a man on the moon, uh, John Kennedy, President Kennedy, is our our on-this-day-in-history moment. It was exactly this week. Actually, I think it was October 23rd. Remember correctly from my reading that President Kennedy spoke to the nation about uh, the missile crisis uh, in Cuba. Uh, You know, a lot of people have different takes on on, on this, uh, in, uh, you know, in the end, uh, politically, it worked for President Kennedy in the sense that he gained uh, a lot of reputation and all of that from, from this event. I happen to have a little bit different take. I still admire the work that President Kennedy did, but I think the reason he had to do what he did, meaning take the world to the brink of a nuclear war, is because he had projected so much weakness before. Uh, in the Bay of Pigs and then in Vienna and overall, that I think the Soviets thought we can push this guy around and put the missiles uh, in Cuba. I don't think they would have put the missiles in Cuba if they really, really feared President Kennedy. Uh, So then Kennedy has to overreact and take the world to the brink of a nuclear war. I mean, that's my take on it without being too critical of President Kennedy, but that's, that's how I feel. Absolutely correct on that. Correct uh, Kennedy did project weakness early in his administration uh, for the reasons you just stated. When Khrushchev met with Kennedy in Vienna, uh, their first time meeting, Khrushchev came away uh, saying that, you know, he was feeling that Kennedy was weak and could be moved around, could be pushed. And Kennedy felt he had been mugged by Khrushchev. It was, it was one of the most terrible kind of days of his day of his life. They got the NANZA Khrushchev. And the is, this history is sort, of, sort of repeating itself today uh, with, with another weak president being pushed around by Russia uh, for the same reasons Russia feels we, that, that they can get away with it, at least the next 16 months. Uh, the audience needs to remember that uh, this was the only time in history that we went to DEF CON 2, which means basically we are full state alert, uh the air force can be up and, and attacking within six hours. The next state is step kind of one where you're, you know, you're what they call quick trigger. You're just waiting to shoot anytime. Uh, essentially, a war. So we never came any closer to nuclear war than we did on this anniversary uh, back in 1962. Yeah, yeah, it was really uh, remarkable. Of course, I was a little boy in Cuba uh, when all of this was happening. Uh, as I said before, I think uh, at the end of the day, President Kennedy uh, did it correctly and was able to get the missiles out of Cuba. My only regret is that he didn't tell the Soviets, "Okay, the missiles are going, and so is Fidel." Because I think if they had, if President Kennedy had put it that way to the Soviets, I think they would have said, "Okay, how would you like him to leave, dead or alive?" Because I, one of the things that we've learned since uh, the missile crisis, is how angry the Soviets were with Castro and how angry Castro was with the Soviets. Uh, Castro actually wanted the Soviets to go to nuclear war over Cuba, not only Castro, uh, but Che Guevara, too. So uh, anyway, I mean, it's always easy to go back and and, and say this or that. But that was another, I, I think, another opportunity that Kennedy failed. Uh, to take advantage of, there, uh, Yes, he did. And, and, of course, during the Bay of Pigs incident, uh, his military advisors wanted to do everything from landing in the second airborne in Cuba uh, to, you know, massive airstrikes. Uh, but, you know, we were in a very strong position, which is why, you know, crucial to really back down. Uh, because he knew he couldn't win in uh, either nuclear exchange or, or or conventional war against the United States. He had way more missiles than he had. He had a much larger military. In every sense, it except one, which is the divisions were in Europe, did more of those. Uh, NATO was around, well, but well, not necessarily. Um, and yet, Khrushchev was felt he could get, could get away with it. And, and today, we're in the same position. Uh, we have a massive military advantage over the Russians. And yet uh, Putin, like Khrushchev, uh, pushes hard and plays his hand well. And despite being weaker, he's able to uh, play from a position of strength. Uh, I'm reminded that Alexander the Great famously said, he fears an army of sheep led by a lion, or they fear an army of lions led by a sheep. And we've become the, the nation of lions led by a sheep. And Putin is the reverse. And uh, that's why we're having
0: so much trouble. We will continue until we change presidents. Right. And, we're- and that's uh, the conversation that I had with Barry Jacobson. Uh, Barry, again, a military historian. And uh, I just had the audio uh, the audio of, of that uh, conversation. But, again, going back to this week in 1962, the missile crisis, and uh, as Barry was saying on, on that interview, that was the closest we ever came to a nuclear war. But the way you keep, these conflicts from happening and we're seeing now the situation in the Middle East where now uh, yesterday, I guess uh, I'm mean, US jets hit some targets in Syria and you've got Iran talking about, you know, going to war. The way you keep these conflicts from happening is basically to be tough from the beginning to, to them, for them to know that you're tougher than they are and you will do things if they do things. And unfortunately, and uh, I don't want to politicize the situation when you have American soldiers uh, potentially fighting, but this uh, Biden administration is not an administration that projects weak- uh, projects strength. And it all started really with the invasion of Afghanistan. I mean, the, the, re- the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the way that was done. Uh, unfortunately, President Biden doesn't project strength uh, physically, as we can see from these uh, from these conferences and so on. So uh, we're in very dangerous times. We're in very dangerous times. And let's just hope that uh, it all works out. But you know, there's a lot of people out there who have been tempted to do things I don't believe they would have done. They would have done had there been a stronger president uh, in the White House. I just don't think that they would have. Just quickly, I have a post over at the American Thinker today talking about migration to the border And the kinds of money that people are paying to get to the U.S. border, $3,000, $5,000 to get on a plane, that's a lot of money for people in Cuba and in Haiti and many of these other places. So I don't know how they're getting that money. I'm pretty familiar with the situation in Cuba. I don't know how they get money like that in Cuba. So there's something going on behind all of this uh, human trafficking. Either somebody's paying these trips or special arrangements are being made with these people to hey once you get to the US you'll have to you'll have to pay I don't know what the arrangement is I'm speculating but that's a lot of money to get to the to the US uh, Mexico border speaking of Mexico I remind you that I wrote a post uh, a couple of days ago about insecurity in Mexico being the driving issue in the political campaign uh, coming up have a great weekend everybody And uh, we'll talk to you next, and go Rangers. That's all you can say. Go Rangers. I think it's going to be a
1: great series. Bye-bye, everybody.